So you have to work with me a little bit. Say, traveling in his strength. And say, there's a cry God can't ignore. It's a cry God can't ignore. Let's get into the word, Isaiah 63, verse 1. This is something, someone that's speaking to Jesus the Messiah. Who is this who comes from Edom with dyed garments from Bozrah? This one who is glorious in his apparel, traveling in the greatness of his strength. Traveling in. Say, my Savior is traveling in the greatness of his strength. And then Jesus responds, in case, you're not new, in case you're new to this passage, let me help you with it. Jesus responds with, I who speak in righteousness, mighty to save. And then the reader says back to him, it's almost a drama unfolds. Why is your apparel red, O Messiah, and your garments like one who has treaded the winepress? He responds with, I have trodden the winepress alone. And from the people, no one was with me but I trod them in my anger and trampled them in my fury he's talking about your enemy say he's talking about my enemy their blood is sprinkled upon my garments we'll end this right here in about 40 minutes their blood is sprinkled upon my garments and I have stained all my robes I you look up we'll go back to reading then we'll pray what I love about this is Jesus is not afraid and maybe that's why I was going to use that garment Jesus is not afraid to have his garments stained with the blood of your enemy and my enemy you know you get yourself a new outfit. You get yourself some new shoes. Come on, somebody. You get yourself something new. And with me, people just count. How many days will she have that ring till it tarnishes? Because none of mine is real. Or how many days will she not scuff up those shoes? Because I'm busy. I am not a little preliminary poodle. I am busy. I am going somewhere all the time and slinging things, even through airports. So you know what? You get something new. You get a new car. You get a new vehicle. And you just think, God, please don't let it get a dent. Come on, somebody. Please don't let the inside get messed up. God, let me just keep it picture perfect for a while. You got something new. You've got something you paid a lot for. Guess what? Jesus' robe came from his father. Just as just as Joseph received his robe from his father, Jesus' robe came from his father. It's precious. It's holy. It's beautiful. But let me tell you something. There's nothing on earth worth more or more valuable than that which Jesus clothes himself with. But when it came to the moment that your sins needed to be forgiven, when it came to the moment that you needed healing in your body, I wish I had a friend in the house this morning, when it came to the moment that you needed somebody bigger than you to turn something around for you, guess what? Nobody was willing to help you. Nobody, the scripture said, would stand in your place. No one would go down into the center of the earth and fight your depression and fight your adversary. No one would go and do any of that. But guess what? He who was clothed in a beautiful robe said, you know what? No one was with me, but he didn't complain. He's not like me, is he? He didn't complain that no one was with him. He didn't complain that no one was helping him. He said, no one was with me. So I treaded them with my own blood and this garment is now sprinkled. I've stained on purpose all my robes for the day of vengeance is in my heart and the year of, watch this, my redeemed has come. That is Jesus saying the year of my redeemed and like the scripture says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Anybody got a soul in the house and the year of my redeemed has come. I looked but there was no one to help and I wondered that there was no one to uphold therefore my own arm worked salvation
salvation for me. His arm, his son, Jesus himself worked salvation for you. Give him one more praise. Let's pray and get into what God has. Lift one hand to the Lord. Father, we welcome your Holy Spirit. I just thank you, sir, for speaking this, preaching this, sharing it, whether fast or slow, but above all, let the listener hear it and let them receive from you. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. I hope this morning won't be misunderstood. We've got some visuals to help you, but I hope it won't often be like the missent text messages. You ever sent a text message to somebody? Come on, somebody. You didn't intend to say, did you ever send an email about somebody, but you sent it to them instead of the person you want to talk to them about? Come on, somebody. You, I've never done that. I've had people that worked for me that did that, but you, you see, just kidding, but you know, those things that you send... And I remember one night I was texting Courtney. We had just uh, taken in Spike, our male chihuahua. And I was trying to train him. And Courtney is on the bottom floor of our house. And, you know, in this day and age, you don't ring doorbells. Come on, somebody. You text them, I'm outside. Would you open the door? You text them, I'm in the driveway. You don't knock or ring doorbells. You text, come on. Everybody know I'm telling the truth. And I was texting her. And I said to her, I said, uh, you know what? Because she had Spike and I'd been training him. I wanted to go to bed. I said, he might seem a little restless. You might need to take him outside and let him pee. And I even said that word. I don't say that publicly. And I texted. Immediately a text came back and said, who are you trying to get to? And who needs to go outside to the bathroom? And I immediately texted back and I said, oh my goodness. I am so sorry. My daughter just changed her number and I didn't know it, but... FYI, I was speaking about our chihuahua, not about a person. And uh, this person began to text back, oh, I, I thought about that, LOL, LOL. Are you having a good day? I thought, come on, people. This is a mistake. Let's don't build a lifelong relationship off of a text. <laughs> and then another night late, I was texting one of the men of the church, and I said, tomorrow morning, I was telling the Wednesday night crew about this, I said, tomorrow night, I'll be speaking on the five people you'll meet in heaven. I need you to go pick up these new young converts. Um, one of them is living an alternate lifestyle, and I need, they need to get in here and get the word. And um, so I sent this big text, and I got a text back and said, I think you have the wrong number. Again, it's late at night. You always send wrong things at the wrong time. Come on, somebody. And I said, I am so sorry. I'm sorry. I text the wrong number. And in a few minutes, the text came back and said, that's okay, but can you and me be friends? And um, I knew it then. I was dealing with a child, and then they said, Yesorin. Well, I thought that was their name, and I thought, what an odd name to name your child, Yesorin, because it was all together. So a few days later, I didn't respond because, you know, they want to get something started. I couldn't keep going. Come on, somebody. So next few days, Christine and I were driving down the road, and I showed it to her, and she laughed her head off. She said, Mama, his name, we assumed it was a boy, said his name was not Yesorin. He was trying to say yes or no. He just misspelled no. Come on, somebody. You can miscommunicate with people. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, you know you've done it too. And hopefully this morning we will be clear. Turn to Luke 18 if you're not there, verse 1. Luke 18, verse 1. Familiar passage that I've traveled through a lot, but I feel like the Lord had something new for us, something to speak to us today to where we are. Luke 18, verse 1. Then he spoke a parable to them that men ought to always to pray and not lose heart. Say always to pray, always and, pray. and not lose heart. And this is the parable. There was in a certain city a judge sitting right over here who did not fear God nor regarded man. Now there was a widow in that city and she came to him saying, and she moved all the way up to the judge. Give the widow a hand as she comes, people. Come on. And she came to him saying, Give justice for my adversary. And he would not for a while. But afterward he said within himself, Though I do not fear God nor regard man, yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her, let her continual coming wear me out. Then the Lord said, Everyone say, Then the Lord said. Hear what the unjust judge said. Now, I've told you before, when Jesus put something in the Bible, it says if all the things that Jesus ever did, and I'll, I'll let them go in a minute, but they're going to hang there for a minute. If all the things that Jesus ever did was written, there would not be enough books in the world to contain it. That means when a story that Jesus tells gets into the book, 
we're to pay mine because there's hundreds that did not get in there. It means when the authors were inspired, according to scripture, to put things in here, it means this made it through the editor's cut. The editor was not Spielberg. The editor was not Eastwood. The editor was not Mel Gibson. The editor was not your favorite Hollywood director. The editor was the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity. And when everything came out on the table, he said, this one has to stay in. And because this one is in, God is trying to tell you and to tell me something. So the Lord said, hear what the unjust judge said. He said, I and don't fear man and I don't fear God but this woman is wearing me out if the judge went to dinner she showed up if the judge came in late she showed up if the judge went to Walmart guess what what happened if the judge went to Walgreens if the judge went to smoke a cigarette no matter what the judge did, no matter what mood the judge was in, no matter what he was thinking, no matter what... Yeah, fill it in, people. Give yourself a hand. It's all good with me. <laughs> and shall God not avenge his own elect who cry out day and night Hear what Jesus just said? Though he bears long with them, I tell you, he will avenge them speedily. God speedily is not your speedily, trust me. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? Just stay right there, God's feeling, man. I promise, Linda, I will not keep you forever. I kept Janice one time on live television an hour on her knees. And that's why Janice said she was going to be out of town today. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> But I talked about this. No. It's been said about justice. This is a cry for justice. Justice is what is right in your life, in your spouse's life, in your ministry, in your finances, according to the word. We're not talking about the world's justice. I'm talking about God's justice. Everyone say God's justice. What is right or as it should be. And it has been said, Joni Lamb taught me this a couple years ago when she went through something. The statement has been said, people who love sausage and people who believe in justice should never watch either of them being made. Because the path, and none of you don't understand about sausage, but go Google that. It's, it's horrendous and horrible. The journey to making justice sometimes can look as horrible. Sometimes it can look as horrendous. Uh, I was reading about someone saving someone out of human trafficking overseas and the man was talking about how long and boring. He was, re uh, he was reiterating the song, um, the book of love is long and boring. Most of you don't know that. It's a beautiful song about old people's love and I'm an old person so I like that. It talks about love is long and boring, meaning you're way past the early stage. You're into the stage where you love each other, come on somebody, in the better or for the worse, the good and the bad. Can I get an amen from an old person in the building? But I don't often think about the journey to justice being long and boring. I think about the journey to justice being like being in the back of a truck on the backwoods of Mississippi and you're going on bumps in the road. Anybody else feel that way? I feel like the journey between God answering my prayer and me seeing it done, justice coming, what is right and what is fair, often feels like that road down a bumpy road. But the Word says, everyone say the Word says, Isaiah 61 and 8, for I the Lord love justice. I the Lord love what is right right in your life and what should be in your life. In Psalm 711, God is a just judge. I, the Lord, love what is right in your life. In Psalms 99 and 4, the king's strength loves justice. In Psalms 33 and 1, he loves righteousness and justice. In Psalms 37 and 28, for the Lord loves justice. And let me tell you something. Your God is not an unjust judge. He's not a judge that people have to bring you see, it's a spiritual law in the universe. I'll get on through here and then come back so we can 
release them. It's a spiritual law of the universe. Isaiah 40 says, how can you say that your just claim is passed over by God? How can you say that Jehovah does not know your trouble? Have you not heard? Have you not seen that the everlasting God never goes weary? He never faints. You never have to search for his understanding. He gives power to the weak and even the young. He gives strength. I probably butchered that. But the bottom line is a just claim is any legal right that the word gives you. Anything from Genesis to Revelation and the New Testament said the promises of God are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. Somebody give Christ a hand clap of praise. A just claim. A just claim. The reason your adversary wants to throw you off. The reason Holy Spirit said on the editing floor of the Bible, this parable's got to stay in. This one's got to stay in as he inspired the gospel writers. The reason he said this one stays in and this one doesn't is because he wanted you to know your adversary knows if you continue to stand not before an earthly judge but before the God of justice who loves the cries of his people. His word said the righteous may have many troubles but the Lord delivers them out of them all. The word says the righteous cry out and the Lord hears them. The word said, I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised, and so shall I be saved from my enemies. Is anybody thankful that the Lord is just and good and holy? The reason the enemy wants to throw you off of your place before the God of the universe is because it is a spiritual principle of the universe. When God puts something into motion, the Doppler effect says that when God said, let there be light, the Doppler effect has measured that the earth is continuing to expand. It has never stopped because God spoke and the world has not stopped listening to the voice of God when he spoke in the beginning. Because when God sets something in motion by his own word and by his own decree, even the expanding universe, the seas, the galaxies, the stars, the moon, everything is expanding until God steps back out and he says, stop expanding world. The world will continue to listen to him. I just wish I had the ability to always obey the word of the Lord as well as the universe does. I can only imagine what I might possess in my hands, in my life, in my health, in my home, if I obeyed the words of the Lord like the universe does. Anybody else agree with me? Spiritual law of the universe, that as long as you're standing before the throne of God. So Hebrews 4 said, let us come boldly before the throne of grace, that we might find mercy and grace, mercy and grace, to help in the time of need. Because this is a principle the reason the Holy Spirit said, leave this parable in here. Because he knew the adversary would come. He would try to confuse and throw you off. He would try to throw you off of that cry before the throne room for things. And the more technology grows, the more our belief in the supernatural lessens. The more people can pull things out of iPads and iPods, which I love all of that. The more that people can sell out things, the less we tend to believe in the supernatural intervention of God. The more we depend on what we can get here instead of what we can get there. Can you say amen, oh me, oh my, to somebody? And that was the spiritual law of the universe. Would you give them a hand? I'm going to keep speaking, but I'll let them go. Give them a hand. Thanks, you guys. Thank you. It's a cry. Listen to what the Word says in Psalms 102. Hear my prayer, O Lord, and let my cry come unto you. Hide not your face for me in the day of trouble. Incline your ear unto me and answer me speedily. Hope deferred makes the heart what? The pastor got it right. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. Let me read to you a couple of things that are so important. Heart sickness is a natural response when we're waiting for God a long time. The enemy comes to add his demonic fuel to the fire. Listen, listen. He interjects his doubts and his lies, doing everything in his power to cause us to lose heart. The challenge to remain in faith in the face of God delays can almost seem overwhelming. More than a few people, not in this church, in other churches that I help, time ministers have said to me I am overwhelmed and I'm at the end of my rope I cannot go on these are people who look very successful 
Make no mistake about it. There's a mocking spirit that's been launched from hell as part of end time strategy to plummel God's people into faint heartedness. Peter warned us in 2 Peter 3 and 3 that in the last days, people will come saying, where is the promise of his coming? Now listen to this. For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. Now you just want to put that right in about the rapture, but listen. The mocking voice says to you, nothing has changed in your life and nothing is ever going to change in your life. You're waiting for something that's never going to happen. There isn't a praying saint, there isn't a believing saint who's clinging to God's promises that has not heard that sneering, taunting voice of unbelief that says nothing will change, nothing will ever be different. But 2 Peter 1 and 4 says he is giving us exceedingly rich, wonderful, and precious promises that through those we may participate in the divine nature. Let me tell you this morning, they set these things up because I love to speak about museums and I did that recently on a Wednesday night I'm not going to speak that message but we put these things up here this mummy was a whole lot of fun to wrap up last night if you missed the late night here at Church of the Harvest last night you missed it but this mummy is something you'd find in a museum this portrait these, this sewing machine, a real Davis sewing machine, are things that you would see in a museum but someone say they're dead things you see, and sometimes, listen young people, we treat the promises of God like things in a museum. You go to the Smithsonian and you see the original little plane that the Wright brothers, I mean it's a, probably an artifact or what would you call it, where they rebuilt it, they, replica, they made a replica of it. And you could see that, but you could not get into it and fly. Or you'd end up like the guy on secondhand lions, if you know what I'm talking about. You could not get into that and fly. You see, it's artifact. You can go and the Holocaust Museum. I was sharing um, when I went there into Jerusalem, which I hope to go to Israel sometime in the next two years and take a tour. And we'll go to the Smithsonian. When you go into the Smithsonian, you see things. I mean, the, the Holocaust, it's a horrible museum. In fact, I almost got left in Israel over that. And Perry sent people back in to get me. And he said, I, I could hear him fussing about me. You don't you hate me? I told you not to let Rhonda LaShondala stay in there by herself. We're going to be here all day, you know. And they were dragging me out. But it was just overwhelming to me to read the stories and the articles. That's one museum of things that happened long ago. But there's the Smithsonian where you can go in. So incredible. You can see um, things from the slavery, from Civil War, from the war. And then there's that funny movie, A Night in the... Everyone say a night in the... And that's a museum where everything comes alive. Robin Williams comes riding out. I can't remember who he is. And all these little soldiers get up. Yeah, they, they, they come alive. And you, it is so incredible. Guess what? Most of us are living the promises of God not like a night in the museum where they come alive, but we're living them like dead things. We're living them like things, like a life vest that's hanging on a wall that we can say, isn't that fabulous, but it's no longer workable. Like Marilyn Monroe's dress that's hanging there. No one can wear that dress anymore. That is pathetic, people. I could wear that dress alone at my house with no one looking. Come on, someone. But those are things. Those are things. Did that for you, Ashley. Those are things that are not usable anymore. Those are beautiful things. We look at the wall of museum of our Lord who can travel in strength. We look at the adventures of Gideon, of Deborah, of Esther. And they are like things on a museum wall that are beautiful and interesting. And our tour guide says, this is where Gideon and we walk away writing our notes. But we never reach up and take the promises of God that are alive and active and work and get us through the mountain or the valley and get us to the other side. Let me tell you, young people, if one thing I can imprint upon you, if one thing I can instill upon you, it is don't treat the promises of God like things in a museum that are replicas, that are memories of days gone by, but treat them like alive, fully active things that can take you through any day, any situation, any season, any valley. Does anybody believe in the Word of God? Then give God a hand clap of praise. That cry that God cannot ignore. This widow probably looked a little pitiful. She probably looked a little pitiful. And we may feel like 
And Larry, if you'll go stand in front of that tall tower over there, you're not going to look pitiful, but you're going to be the adversary. And just face this way. You see, she might have looked pitiful. She might have felt pitiful. And sometimes we feel like when we are crying out to God for help and we forget that He's traveling in His strength. We'll get there in a moment. You'll understand traveling in just a moment. We forget that He's traveling. We feel pitiful. Oh, am I the only one that's ever felt pitiful? You feel pitiful. You feel like you look pitiful in seasons of your life. You have to back off pitiful. Reminds me, I told the Wednesday night group of Rupert Murdoch, the great mogul of Fox News. Marcus has, has talked with him personally before and told us a little bit about him. Rupert Murdoch was recently up before the British form of um, like our Senate and he was being interrogated over his news pub. Some pe people did some things that worked for him. And it was a very intense thing and they showed it on TV and he's sitting there and they're going after him and all of a sudden a man comes in the back of the great Senate meeting. I'm going to call it that because I can't remember what the British call it. They're the Parliament. They're interrogating him and putting him on the stand and from the back comes in a man with a pie in his hand. And his intention is to take that pie, come around Rupert Murdoch, and put the pie right in his face. That's what the adversary intends to do to you. He intends to put a pie in your face to shame you. He intends to disgrace you. He intends to throw you off your place. He intends to make you feel pitiful. He intends to make you a mockery. You see, sometimes God says to me when I'm on my prayer mountain, who are you afraid of looking bad? Me or you? If you're afraid about you, go ahead. But don't worry a minute about making me look bad. I've been in the arena with the greatest adversaries of all days. I've stood on the mountains and the valleys with the greatest saints. I'm not concerned for a moment that your faith is going to make me look bad because I know what I am capable of. I know what I can do and I know what I can fulfill. Somebody give God a shout of praise but what the little guy with the pie in the hand and what your adversary doesn't know is who Rupert Murdoch was married to it's about his fourth wife but that's all irrelevant but anyway sitting behind him is a very tall oriental beauty his wife at this point what the guy with the pie in the face doesn't know that Miss Slim Tall looking good as she should was also a professional volleyball player and as the pie comes around, they can't, you, YouTube this, it's fabulous. I'm going to show it sometime. As the pie comes around, all of a sudden you see her. She's sitting on the second or third row. She gates up with those long, lanky legs. Hand comes up over Rupert Murdoch onto the head of the guy with the pie in the face. And she bounces him down like he's a volleyball. Come on, somebody. Why did you love that? Because I see things in pictures. When I saw it, Holy Ghost, I saw the pie of shame that's headed for the heads and the hearts of those who have walked through disgraceful things. My name in there as well. I saw the pie of disgrace and shame headed for me. But what they don't know is the Holy Ghost is a professional volleyball player. What they don't know is he's got the robes of the traveling in his strength Jesus dipped in the blood of his own body. What they don't know is the Holy Ghost it just knows how to step up and step over and take his hand down on shame. Oh, I wish I had a redeemed person in the house this morning. And let me say to you also, we are called to be that for others. My main motive in this life is to knock the pie of shame out of people's hands out of their faces, out of the enemy's taunts and his lies. To knock that when they say you'll never be anything. To lock that when they say you gave away your virginity. You'll never be something. To say, oh, you did this when you were that age. Or you, this happened to you. Or that happened to you. You'll never have a future. Things will never be normal. Let me tell you what Jesus said. Second and third and fourth and fifth and sixth and seventh and eighth and ninth chances. Let me tell you what the word said. If any man be in Christ, that doesn't just mean the first time you walked down and gave 
give your heart to the Lord. If that's the only time that verse, we don't need to be singing it up here because I don't know if there's any sinners in this house this morning. If, if we're only a new creation, the first time we walk down a drug addict smoking like a thing down here with alcohol and shooting it up and, and then I'm a new creature now. If that's the only time we can sing it, then take it down, people. Take it out of the scripture. If that verse doesn't work for me at 51 when I feel like I've blown it, when I feel like I've made mistakes, if I can't get up and say, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away and behold, all things become new. Somebody give Jesus a shout in the house. We are not pitiful. Poor, poor Larry. Larry, I always forget people. I'm going to get to you in just a minute. I'm coming in. I'm terrible about that. We are not pitiful. We are the bride of Christ. Isaiah 62, if you're standing in the gap for anyone, I must throw this in the mix before we get to the, the ending passage of this. It says, you who make mention of the Lord do not keep silent. I've been praying this over a prodigal for about 14 years. 12, about 14. You who make mention of the Lord do not keep silent in regards to whoever you want to put there. Give the Lord no rest. And it goes on to say until he establishes, makes Jerusalem a praise in the earth. But see, what you put there is that person's name. Give the Lord no rest. Give him no rest. Continue to make mention of people you're praying for, things you're praying for, until he establishes that person. Pastor AC, would you mind coming and helping me? We're going to do that. Give the glory. I'm not quite done, but it'll get us. And if you can keep the keyboards or keep me up and that down, that'll be good. This adversary came. Say, this adversary came. You know, the crazy thing is, Mish, I don't always know where the enemy's coming from. I don't always know what direction he's coming from. But my God is omniscient, which means he knows everything. Omnipresent means he's always with me, and that's powerful. Wave at me if you think that's powerful. Omnipotent means he's all-powerful, but omniscience means he knows everything. Zechariah 2 and 8 says, He who touches you touches the apple of my eye. The apple of the eye is another form for the pupil of the eye. The pupil is the most sensitive part of your body. I mean, listen to me and watch me. If you get something in your eye, I don't care. If President Bush, I always refer to him. I just can't let him go. Wait till you hear Pastor AC's story about President Bush after 911. Next time he preaches, you won't be able to let him go either. It doesn't matter if you're speaking to somebody that's going to give you a million dollars. It doesn't matter. I'm hearing good, Daniel, but go ahead and do what you It doesn't matter. If there's something in your eye, and you know I'm right about this, you're like, hold on, hold on. I mean, you if something bad gets in your eye, you can't. Becky just had this to happen. She got a scratch on her cornea. You can't do anything because it hurts. It doesn't matter what's going on. And what God says is, you are like the center of my eye. He says, I'm as protective over you as we are over our eyes. He says, you are my speck. You are the center of who I am. You see, here's the deal. Everything slows down when you get something in your eye. Everything. I mean, it doesn't matter if you're in a high-level meeting. I've pushed through preaching when something's been in my eye and ran to get it out. It hurts so bad. God says, when someone attacks your family, when someone attacks your mind, when someone attacks your finances, when someone attacks your dignity, it's like touching the center of who I am. You see, that's why the devil so much attacks you because you are, say I am, the center of his eye. That's why the enemy attacks you. That's why the adversary attacked her and often I don't know where the adversary is coming from I don't even know sometimes who my enemies are Pastor AC I don't sometimes know the source of the warfare I don't even know every strategy that's been written against me usually the plans will get revealed the older I get the more they get revealed but I know what Psalms 69 and 19 says come toward me Larry it says oh Lord I don't know who my adversaries are. 
I don't know what their names are. I don't know everything planned against me. And stop right there. But my adversaries are ever before you, O oh Lord. You see, the widow did not go to wrestle something out of her adversary's hand. She didn't go to him. What we often do is go to wrestle something. We spend too much time, big God, little devil. The devil is like a roaring lion seeking to whom he may devour. In the book of Job, it says that the devil roamed to and fro, looking. Listen to that. In 2 Chronicles, it says that the eyes of the Lord roamed to and fro to attach himself, to show himself strong. Attach means to attach himself to give you his strength. So the devil is roaming like a roaring lion, Peter said. The devil is roaming in the book of Job, looking to what he can do, how he can destroy every child of God, how he can destroy every son or daughter out there that's going to be a child of God. He's roaming. He's looking. Watch this. And the eyes of God are roaming throughout the earth to show himself strong, which means in the Hebrew to attach himself, his strength, his glory, his provision, his wisdom with those whose hearts are perfected toward him. Don't get hung up on perfected. That word in the Hebrew means those whose hearts are loyal and trusting unto the name of the Lord. And this is the beautiful thing. The eyes of the enemy, he's roaming. He's looking at us. His eyes are on you. He's roaming, looking through the earth. But guess what? Well, he's too busy watching me. He's overlooking he who is watching me as well. He who is seeing me as well. He who sees my getting up and my going down. He who sees me every time I sit, according to Psalms 139, and I stand up. Thank you, Larry. Give Larry a hand. Thank you, sir. He overlooks the eyes. We often go to our enemy. We often go to him trying to pull back from him. Listen, Hannibal in that movie, he was never going to give pity. Come on, somebody. Jason in Friday the 13th was never going to give pity. Come on, somebody. The villain, and I know what you did last summer, last spring, and last fall. Never. Never going to give you pity. You can never talk your enemy out of anything. You can never talk Satan, the one who walked in light and in music, Lucifer who crawls upon the earth now, out of anything. You can never, but what you can do is keep standing before the judge of the universe. I don't need to go stand before my adversary. I don't need to beg and whine and moan and cry. I need, it has been said, that the posture of a believer, the posture of a believer, I recently read in my favorite devotional book, Jesus Calling, oh, my meat on my bones, chilly on a cold night. When I was reading in Jesus Calling, it said, my child, just your posture in the morning, just you getting down. I'm not a religious fanatic, but sometimes I just want the enemy to see me get on my knees. Come on, somebody. Just that posture of this, just going and sitting on 740 Walker Street where my marriage was healed, that's an abandoned house, just sitting there with my ball cap on praising God. Just that posture, it's said in Jesus' calling and confirmed in Scripture, is a sign to the underground that your faith is rooted deeply and richly, not in your adversary or what he can do, but in the sovereign God who sits on the throne of the universe. I wish I had somebody that would just praise him this morning. While we wait and get to the ending, two points. Psalm 7, 6, if you're taking notes. Powerful verse. It says, Arise, O Lord. That's what the widow was saying. Lift yourself up against my enemies, O God. I love this. Ooh, the psalmist nailed this one. Rise up for me. Rise up for me to, listen to this. This is the secret. To the judgment you have commanded. Listen to this. Justice has already been commanded over your situation right now by the Lord Most High. See, the psalmist said, you've already commanded it. You've already spoken it. Now rise up. There's two phases, or two phases. He pronounces judgment when he sees injustice has assaulted you. And secondly, he then rises up in power 
to enforce that judgment. So your prayer, your promise for the day is, Lord God, in everything that has to do with me, my babies, my finances, my ministry, everything that's going on around me, my health, Lord, rise up off of your throne and enforce what you have commanded. For great is our God. Give him one hand clap of praise. The cry that God can ignore. I want to take you to quick, quick places. This is a cry before the judge. Two quick places. Second one be very fast. Of God's traveling strength. When Abraham, listen to this, because this is for somebody this morning. When Abraham was traveling up the mountain with his son Isaac, first time the word ever says, Jehovah Jireh, my provider. Going up that mountain, Isaac says to his daddy, Daddy, I see the wood. Daddy, I see where you're going to make the fire. But Daddy, where's the lamb? Where's the sacrifice, Daddy? Of course, we know Isaac was a grown man of about 22 to 25. Daddy, I see you're preparing to do something. But where's the sacrifice? And Abraham, first time, gives a cry of trust that God can't ignore. Knowing that God was traveling. As he was traveling upside this mountain, he knew traveling in his strength up the other side of the mountain was the provision of God. He didn't wait till he got to the top of the mountain. He didn't wait till he saw the fulfillment. But at the bottom of the mountain, he said his name from this day forward. They'll sing about it. They'll speak about it. They'll mention it during tithes and offerings. They'll mention it through the seasons of time. But his name is Jehovah Jireh. The Lord will provide. I can't see the provision. I'm climbing the mountain with nothing to see. But I'm not going to wait till I get to the provision. I'm not going to wait, Tiffany, till I get to the prayer answered. I'm going to declare and decree today the Lord will provide. I don't know how I'm going to get through this. Come on, somebody. I don't know how God's going to save my family. But Jehovah Jireh will provide. I don't know how I'm going to get a hold of my finances, but Jehovah Jireh will provide. I don't know how I'm going to get my health back, but Jehovah Jireh will provide. I can't see the way he's going to do it. I'm traveling up the mountain, but my trust is in him, and he will honor my faith. Somebody give Jehovah Jireh a shout of praise. Come on, somebody give him a shout of praise. I'm traveling this way, but he's traveling that way. He's going to meet me in the middle with an answer. He's going to meet me in the middle with my deliverance. He's going to meet me in the middle with what I'm believing for. I'm traveling up, but he's going to meet me. He's going to meet me. Somebody wave a hand before him. I feel his holiness in this room this morning. I hear the Spirit of the Lord say, Don't stop traveling. Don't stop moving. Don't stop pushing. Don't stop pressing. Daughter and son, keep going. Keep going up the mountain. Traveling on the other side is the provision. Traveling up the other side is the answer. Traveling up the other side is an open air. God's going to give you a breakthrough. Keep traveling with your backpack. Keep traveling with your faith pack. Keep traveling with your hope pack. For the Lord God heals a son and a shield. He gives grace and glory and no good thing will he withhold. He's traveling. Jehovah Jireh is his name. Lift your hands and worship him and receive that before we end. Hallelujah. He's traveling. He's traveling in his strength. He was traveling on the way to Calvary, Christopher, and welcome back. He was traveling on the way to Calvary, but no one was seeing him. While you were climbing up the other side of the mountain in your sin, while I was climbing in my human weakness, oh Jesus, my failures, my mistakes, he was traveling upside
find the other side of the mountain with his provision and Calvary was getting ready to come forth whatever you're traveling toward God will meet you when you trust in him one more crime we're going down we're going to pray over all of us together we're going to pray and we'll be done he's on the mountain another time in the book of Mark 6 and 45 he just fed the fish and loaves next Sunday morning we're going to going to have a lot of people here we're going to ordain a bunch of ministers I've got about a 30 minute illustrated message on the cry of purpose that many of you will be in from both churches we'll work on that pastor this week if possible but the fish and loaves miracles have just happened so I'm not going to get into that I'll get into that next Sunday and the Bible says that Jesus went up to the mountain everyone say the mountain everyone say the mountain Jesus is on the mountain and the disciples have gone out he sends them in the boat out on the water and it says that the third watch of the night a horrible storm blew into the lake he's on the mountain the power is here but the problem is here there's the answer but thank God that he is omniscient all knowing he knows what I can't even tell him he knows what I can't articulate he knows my thoughts are far off says Psalms 139 he knows he knew but the storm's brewing the crisis is here the problem is here but he is on the mountain and they're in the boat in the storm and a lot of you feel that way this morning about whatever it is in your life the power is there but your problem is here there's a problem with restrictions there's darkness in the third watch of the night there's distance and there's danger but this is what happens Jesus knew on the mountain it said it had gotten into the night but he knew he knew he knew you see God knew God knew when the storm was brewing God knew when the storm was brewing against them when the clouds were forming he already knew when the lightning was fixing to come out he already knew you may not have known but he already knew he knew what had been formed to take them out he knew what things were beginning to come together they didn't know when they got in the boat you didn't know when you got in the boat of life the storms that would rail against you but he knew way ahead of time because he is the all-knowing God he knew every battle that would ever be waged against you he knew every attack that would ever be waged against you he knew every loss every sorrow every hard place every betrayal he knew someone say he knew someone say he knew yell it out he knew and he knows and Jesus knows that they're caught in the storm and listen before we end when God gets ready to get to you he is no earthly judge he don't have to walk on the ground come on he is no earthly judge he does not have to sit in an earthly courtroom he sits on the seat of the sovereignty of the universe surrounded by angels in glory he rides on wind he rides on clouds when God gets ready to get to you and answer your cry it doesn't matter how far the distance looks it doesn't matter how dark the night is come on somebody he doesn't have to hire a boat to catch up with you so he can go the same speed he has the advantage of being able to walk on top of whatever is drowning you because he is Jesus come on somebody he has the advantage of walking on top of what feels like it is drowning you trying to take you under he came to them and we're done and they thought he was a ghost listen we're done they thought he was a ghost sometimes in the middle of your trial your test you won't recognize God but God comes but when he spoke he intended to pass them by 
they cried out you gotta cry out listen to me your pity party will not get you a miracle your depression will not get you a miracle you isolating yourself will not get you a miracle you being angry will not get you a miracle you building a house of woe is me will not get you a miracle blind Bartimaeus cried out and God came the delay seemed long to us you will not receive that miracle without crying out and when they cried out to him watch this he said do not be afraid it is I and the word says he doesn't speak to the wind and the waves in this one the word says when he got in the boat he just reached over and got in the boat and when he sat in the boat whew, the wind and the waves calmed down the storm calmed down listen whatever's troubling you when you invite him when you cry of God came there he travels in his strength to you he traveled up the mountain to Abraham. He traveled through the unjust judge to show you that he traveled to the wine press to trot out. Musicians, come and help me. Leanne, Seth, would you come help me? He traveled. He traveled to you and your sin. He traveled to you and your dilemma. He traveled to you. He traveled to Abraham in provision. And he traveled to his disciples. He's walking on top of whatever makes you feel like you're drowning right now. Stand all over this building and just lift your hands to him right where you are. Pastor AC, if you would sing this. Matt, if you want to come grab a mic and help him, that'd be awesome, son. Love to hear you sing. Would you lift your hands to the Lord right now? Lord Jesus, we lift our hands to you. We're going to worship you for a moment. And we're going to cry out to you. We're going to pray with each other. And we're going to call this a great day in the house. But Lord, these hands are lifted right now. They need you, God. There's not one of us in this room that doesn't need you. Some of us are like Abraham. We're traveling up the mountains. We don't see any provision. Some of us are like the widow. We feel pitiful. We feel like an adversary is trying to take everything from us. We know that you said that he who touches us touches the apple of your eye. But it doesn't always feel that way, Jesus. We stand before you and we say our adversaries are before you, Lord. Lord Jesus, some of us today are like those in the middle of a storm. But we need to cry out in our feet. We need to cry out in our perplexity and say, save us. Thank you for knowing everything about us and bringing answers. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Now, right where you stand, I want you just to make this a moment of personal prayer and personal worship. Whether you want to pray or sing, make it your altar. Right where you stand. What do you need from him? What do you seek from him? What do you desire from him? Right where you are. Right where you are. Yes, Lord Jesus. There is no 